I want to talk to you this weekend about a beautiful mind, a beautiful mind. There was a movie that came out probably 20 years ago with Russell Crowe called A Beautiful Mind. And in the movie, this man is brilliant. He's a mathematician. He's uh, figuring out equations no one has figured out. He's coming up with solutions to problems that the world was facing. And he was helping our government. He was helping our military. And all of a sudden, he went crazy. And his mind started going into all these mind games. And, uh, and he needed help to figure out his way out of the season of craziness and to get his mind back. And the, the, the title of the movie was A Beautiful Mind. And as I was thinking this past week, praying over this message, praying over our series, I just felt like the Lord wants some of you to get your mind back, to get your thoughts back, to take control of what's going on inside your head, because the battle is between the ears, right? The battle for your joy, the battle for your peace, the battle for your victory out here starts right here. If you're going to see a victory out here, it's going to start in here. It's going to start in the mind. We've been talking about really overcoming uh, bad mindsets and strongholds in the mind and and winning the mental and emotional battle for being healthy on the inside. But I feel like this week, I wanna focus on what does it look like to live with a beautiful mind. Turn to the person next to you and say, how's your mind doing? How's your mind doing? If you have a Bible, let's go to Proverbs 23, verse seven. Yes, you can make some noise. And this has been a theme scripture in this series that as a person thinks, so is he. That our thoughts determine the direction of our life. As we think, so are we. When I think strong, I live strong. When I think like a champion, I live like a champion. When I think thoughts of faith, I take steps of faith. But when I start thinking thoughts of fear, when I start dwelling and meditating on thoughts of discouragement, disappointment, I start living a, a depressed life. I have to win in here if I'm gonna win out there. This past week, I was watching the Olympics. Anyone watching the Olympics? And, um, and, and I was watching as these athletes were competing, and, and there was a story that was circulating about Simone Biles and, and just her decision to pull out from the Olympics because of mental health reasons. And I started just realizing how important this series is, that so many people are dealing with at the top of their game, whether it's professional athletes or whether it's multi-multi-millionaires, billionaires out there, people like Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk, that people at the top of their, like their category are dealing with mental health issues and people who may not be working a job at all, that this, this attacks everyone. The battle for the mind is, is going on. And the enemy, if he can get you defeated in the mind, he's in no hurry to destroy your life. Because as a man thinketh, so is he. There was this story that was circulating this week about this, uh, this Olympic athlete named Ivan Fernandez. And he's a, a Spanish runner, and um, he was running for his country. He was second. Uh, he was near the finish line, about 30 feet away, when all of a sudden the number one runner, who was from Kenya, uh, his name was Abel Mutai. Abel was right in front of him. I think we have a picture. And he literally, Ivan is like two feet behind him, when all of a sudden Abel just stops running. Abel gets confused. He thinks that he's finished the race and doesn't realize the finish line is 30 feet in front of him. Even that right there, I just stop and I go, how many people are stopping short of the finish line because of mental games? How many husbands, how many wives are this close to victory and they're just throwing in the towel on marriage, just throwing in the towel on their dreams, 
if the enemy can confuse you, he can get you to stop short of the finish line. And so here Abel is, he, he literally stops short. And what's amazing, what's so beautiful about this story is that Ivan had every opportunity right there to do what, you know, what the American dream tells you to do, to go for the goal, to win at all costs, to, to beat your competitors, to make sure you get to the top of the ladder, you get success. But instead, he pushed his brother to victory. What, like, I, I want to read to you the story. It's so powerful. So while Abel was only a few meters from the finish line, he got confused with the signs and he stopped, thinking he had finished the race. Ivan Fernandez was right behind him, realizing what was going on. He started shouting to the Kenyan, keep on running. And I just want to speak that over someone in the room today, someone who's watching online. Keep on running. Don't you stop. Keep on running. Talk about a beautiful mind. This man, he literally starts cheering on his competitor. Keep on running. Don't stop. Don't quit. Mutai didn't speak Spanish, so he had no clue what Ivan was saying. He didn't understand. So realizing what was going on, Ivan began to push Mutai towards the finish line. I want you to just get a visual image of this. Daniel, hop up here. We all need a friend who will get behind us in our time of discouragement and push us to the finish line. We all need a friend who says, I got your back. I'm not stabbing you in the back. I'm pushing you towards the finish line. This is what Ivan began to do. Thank you, Daniel. Ivan began to push Mutai towards the finish line. And, and, and a reporter asked him, go, go ahead, and I want you to read the rest of this. A reporter asked Ivan, why did you do this? And he said, my dream is that one day we can have some sort of community life where we push ourselves and others towards the victory. The reporter insisted, but why did you let the Kenyan win? Like you had the opportunity to beat him. Can I tell you something that crosses all language barriers? Love. A beautiful mind knows how to communicate across all the language barriers, all the cultural differences. They don't, they don't speak the same language. They don't have the same you know, cultural ideas. And yet this man showed him an action of love. He spoke a language that, that really, he didn't win the gold medal, but I'm telling you, he won the hearts of the whole world. Ivan said, I didn't let him win. He was going to win. The race was his. The reporter insisted and said, but you could have won. This race was, your, like, you literally could have easily stepped right in front of him and won that race. And by the way, in many countries, to win a gold medal is $100,000 more compensation than to win the silver medal. These, these athletes get paid by their country when they win a medal. And, um, and so it wasn't just winning a gold. It was literally going home with a whole lot more money. And yet he let his brother win. That's a beautiful mind. He says, what would be the merit of my victory if I would have I would have taken it. What would be the honor of this medal? What would my mother think of me? All the moms said, amen. Mom, what would you think of me if I did that? <laughs> she wouldn't think very highly. The values are transmitted from generation to generation. What values do we teach our children? How much do we inspire others to earn? Most of us take advantage of people's weaknesses instead of helping to strengthen them. Let me tell you this. You never lose when you help other people win. You never lose when you help other people win. When I think about a beautiful mind, I think about a garden, right? Because the mind is a garden. And behind me, you see this beautiful bouquet of flowers and, and, and life, right? A garden equals 
life, that, that something is growing here, something that's beautiful, but a garden requires pruning. A garden requires weed pulling. My in-laws, they have a garden, and, they, and they, they take time. It requires intentionality. You're paying attention to the details. You're paying attention to certain spots where you want to see strawberries grow. You've got to make sure you're planting the right seeds and that you're protecting them, that you're pulling out any weeds that would choke the life out of what you're trying to grow. In the same way, our minds require pruning. Our minds require renewing. Whether you've been a Christian for 20 years or whether you're brand new to church and maybe you're thinking about following Jesus, your mind is like a garden. And the enemy, all he wants to do is just plant weeds in the garden of your mind, thinking lustful thoughts, dark thoughts, defeated thoughts, depressing thoughts, discouraging thoughts. If the, if the enemy can just clutter your brain with vaccination information, just get you thinking about all the news and the vaccine and, and President Biden and the government and conspiracy theories and QAnon and CNN and Fox News. If the enemy can just clutter your brain with so much crud, junk, fill in the blank, whatever it is, if he can just put it all in there, then there's no room for any faith. There's no room for any creativity. There's no room for any solution mindset. There's no room to dream big or to cheer on your brothers and sisters because you're consumed with self-absorbed thoughts. This is why we have to guard the garden of our mind and go in there and say, is there anything that's cluttering what God wants to do in my mind and in my life? Because as a man thinketh, so is he. So Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 16, we have the mind of Christ. Church, we have the mind of Christ. Just say that with me. I have the mind of Christ. What is the mind of Christ? What, what, what would be the mind of Christ? The mind of Christ is a mind full of hope. It's a mind full of hope that the best days are right in front of us. The mind of Christ is a mind of compassion. That life does not revolve all around me. My mind is not consumed with me, myself, and I. The mind of Christ is thinking about others. How can I serve? How can I see a need and meet it? It's like Ivan Fernandez. It's, it's a mind, it's a beautiful mind when someone is not so focused on themselves. The mind of Christ is a mind of grace that everyone in my life needs grace, including me. So I'll live without grudges. I'll live without offense. I'll live without resentment because I need grace and so does everybody else. The mind of Christ is a mind of servanthood. It's saying, who can I serve? Who can I help? I remember when I was a, a college student at ORU, and I was learning this mindset in Philippians chapter 2, where Paul the apostle told the church, have the same mind that Christ had. Don't just look out for your own interest and, and pursue selfish, ambitious gain, but look out for the interest of others and serve people the way that Christ served others. And so while I was at ORU, I signed up to serve anywhere I could. And I became a greeter at the door. Then I became a parking lot like welcomer for all the college weekenders. And then, and then I started serving as a chaplain. And then I remember going on this trip with a group of students to Atlanta, Georgia. And while we were there, they sponsored us to go and visit the headquarters of Chick-fil-A. Come on, Chick-fil-A. Somehow Chick-fil-A is going to make it into every series that I preach. It's just a part of me. Like, it's just, I love Chick-fil-A. Um, and so I was there probably three times this past week, just talking to the employees, getting nuggets, getting sandwiches, and just thanking them for their service. But you know, I went to the headquarters, and I was so impacted by the way that the, the CEO, Dan Cathy, and Truett Cathy, and his family, they operated this, this business. When we walked through the doors, uh, 
One of the top CEOs welcomed us. One of the family members, the Catholic family members, welcomed us right there and said, hey, can I serve you guys lunch? We got there right around 11 a.m. And he said, yeah, lunch sounds great. And uh, you got breakfast too? We'll take the breakfast, like the chicken biscuits, we'll take those too. So we go down into the cafeteria. And guess who's behind there serving us chicken? Mr. Kathy himself. The CEO puts on an apron and starts serving a bunch of college students chicken. Talk about the example of leadership right there. You want to go higher as a leader? You got to have the mind of Christ to get lower as a servant. If you're too big to serve, you're too small to lead. If you're too cool to be a servant leader, you'll never grow as a leader if you don't have a mind of Christ where you say, I am here to serve others. And I'm watching as Mr. Kathy begins to serve his chicken. And he says, did you know, I want you to see my offices. I want you to see my office and all of our CEO's offices. I said, oh, yeah, we want to see it. My mind, I'm picturing it like it's like on the top of the building. Everybody has an incredible view of Atlanta. And his office was on the bottom floor below the cafeteria. The intern's offices were on the top floor. He said, at our company, when you get hired, you start off on the top. And the more you get promoted, the more you move down a level. And once you get promoted to the top leadership team, you're in the basement. Because at our company, to be a great leader, you have to be a great servant. The mind of Christ is a mind of servanthood. The mind of Christ is a mind of love. I I don't know about you, but I I run into people on a daily basis who just are needing love. People who are hurting. And people who are hurting hurt other people. But when I can walk into Quick Trip or Walmart or Chick-fil-A or Whataburger, wherever you go, if I can walk in there with the mind of Christ to say, how can I show the love of God to the people that are right in front of me? I remember working at Camp Sunshine uh, whenever I was 19 years old. I moved to Maryland for a summer. And I worked the whole summer at this camp. And I helped these kindergartners through, through second grade. I was assigned to this group of kids. And by the end of the summer, this little girl came up to me. And I remember her. And uh, she goes, I don't know your name. And in my mind, I was like, what? I've been serving you this whole summer. And she goes, hold on, I'm not finished. She said, I don't remember your name, but I just want to say thank you for loving me. Because she said, you have made such an impact on my life. This young girl, she said, thank you for loving me. I think we underestimate what kids are picking up around us. I think we underestimate how they, they recognize whether we love them or whether we are just putting up with them. She said, I, I forget your name, but I just want you to know, thank you for loving me. That, that's, that's the mind of Christ, is showing love. The mind of Christ is a mind of joy, right? It's a mind of joy. Joy starts in here. Joy starts on the inside. My joy is my job. It's not circumstances job to make me happy. It is my responsibility. My mood is my responsibility. The mind of Christ is a mind of creativity. Listen, when I, when I was looking this week at people who have changed the world, who have shaped our world, it started in their minds. You're sitting in a room that started in the mind of Billy Joe Doherty. Before there was ever a, a, anything built on this piece of property, it was already constructed in his mind. He was incepted by the Holy Spirit with a vision, inception, an idea. It's like a virus. It just begins to take over your mind. Y'all are like, where have I heard this? Leonardo DiCaprio, Inception. But listen, the mind of Christ, it's, it's, it's not just a mind of I love people and I'm going to uh, be kind to people. It's also a mind of I've been given the power to solve the problems that the world has. And I'm, gonna, I'm not going to wait for Elon Musk 
to figure out what to do, or Jeff Bezos, or Bill Gates, or Dr., you know, whoever, Fauci. <laughs> I'm going to use the mind that God gave me, and if I have a passion for science, I'm going to be the most brilliant scientist that the world has ever seen. If I have a passion for sports, I'm going to get creative, and I'm gonna figure out a way to do things on that sports field that no one else has seen. I think the world should look at the church instead of the church looking at the world for who's gonna solve the problems that are happening across our planet. The world, like listen, the world is figuring out ways to change everything. Jeff Bezos was working at McDonald's flipping hamburgers when all of a sudden he started thinking of this idea. He started a company in his mind before he started it on the internet. And he had this idea, I'm gonna start a company called Amazon and we're gonna sell books online. That was the original part of his idea. And then it took off, not just books, we're gonna sell more products. And they bought Whole Foods. And now they've changed the way that we go shopping. They've changed the way that we think about uh, what we're gonna buy, whether we're gonna go to the store or buy it online. Elon Musk was a janitor, and he was dreaming as a janitor working at a lumber mill in Northern America. He was dreaming about ways to, to get to Mars. He was, some of y'all are in Mars right now. Come back to Earth. You got a beautiful mind. Just come right back here. <laughs> y'all are like, Mars. Nice. But you know, he was dreaming of ways to get people to space. And he started a small company in his mind before he started on the internet. He started PayPal. And today he has Tesla and SpaceX. And the list goes on. I mean, all of the, the, the most brilliant ideas that you see in the world, the most brilliant, like Walt Disney was told by several people, investors, bankers, they said, you lack creativity. Your ideas will never take off. They're, they're impractical. You, you don't have innovation. He literally was told by multiple people, you don't have innovation, you don't have creativity, and yet he went on to change the world. He went on to change the world. In fact, I wanna share with you a quote that he shared, um, and, and it's a powerful quote because he talked about the power of imagineering. He talked about the power of, of thinking outside the box and living with this mindset of, of potential. And he said, everybody will try to convince you that your ideas will not work, but you have to hold true to what you know on the inside. God has given many of you dreams and ideas, and I'm telling you, if you will begin to imagine the possibilities of what God can do through you, and instead of living on the defense, like, I don't wanna die, I gotta get the vaccine so I don't die, what if you started living with an offensive mindset? I'm gonna live, and I'm going to make a difference, and I'm gonna change this community, and I'm not just gonna be afraid of dying by a virus, but I'm going to figure out a way to bring hope to the hopeless, to bring food to the hungry. You see, two people can go through a pandemic and have completely different results at the end of it. Two people can have the same set of circumstances, grow up with an abusive father at home, watch their parents go through a divorce, experience a pandemic, watch their dad die by, by cancer, and yet have completely different results at the end. And it comes down to one is going to operate with the mind of Christ to say pain is a part of the journey. And God is going to use all the pain that I've walked through to produce something powerful on the inside of me. And I am not gonna live as a victim the rest of my life. And I'm gonna stop shaking my fist at God and the world, and I'm gonna turn it into energy to bring hope and life and peace and compassion and love and joy and creativity to the world's problems. There's universities who are known for producing the most brilliant people in the world. Harvard, Yale, Princeton, all of these universities, people go, man, if I could go there, I'll become the most powerful politician. I'll become one of the most powerful attorneys. 
If I could graduate from that school, MIT, then I know there's promises on the other side. These universities are known for producing like the, the, the problem-solving uh, billionaires of the world coming from these universities. And as I was thinking about it, I was thinking, you know, victory should be known for producing the most brilliant minds, not just in Tulsa, but all over the world. As people tune in, that something is unleashed, unlocked. You have everything you need to succeed. A beautiful mind is not determined by your last name. It's not determined by the money you were given, the legacy that was handed down to you by your parents. A beautiful mind is not even determined by your age. I've met kids and teenagers that should have amazing energy, and yet they're depleted and depressed because they're consumed with social media anxiety. And I've met 78-year-olds who you think would be dying, and they're full of life and energy. 97-year-olds who you think are on their, like, you think they shouldn't have, they have more energy than a teenager. Because a beautiful mind is not determined by age, it's not determined by money, it's not determined by circumstances, it's determined by the inside, making up in your mind, I have the mind of Christ. And every single day is the day that the Lord has made. And I'm gonna rejoice, and I'm gonna figure out a way to make a difference in someone's life. And it starts when I go to Brahms right after church. When I get ice cream, I'm gonna love on Brahms. And when I come to church next, I'm going to live to serve. I'm going to carry the mind of Christ wherever I go. The mind of Christ sees potential in other people. The mind of Christ, my dad, he would walk down the hallways and he would just speak it over people. Hey, mighty man of God. And I'd be like, he's not a mighty man of God. That kid, that's a bad kid. He's a bully. Like, you need to call him what he is. But my dad would call him what he believed instead of what he saw. Because the mind of Christ sees potential in every person. The mind of Christ never gives up on somebody. The mind of Christ prays even for his enemies. The mind of Christ pushes other people to victory instead of always lives with a jealous eye competing with every person next to him. The mind of Christ is confident in who she is and yet humble enough to go down to an altar call and say, God, work on me. The mind of Christ is not consumed by the opinions of people but cares more about the opinions of God. The mind of Christ walks in authority. If you don't walk in authority, someone else will take yours. Someone is literally banking on you living in a mentally and emotionally unstable place. Because the more unstable you are, the more power they have. The second you get your mind back, you now are the person in charge. The enemy wants to keep you in a place of fear and anxiety and depression and defeat. And this is a message that's saying, get your mind back. You were born for such a time as this. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 1 verse 6, I share these things to remind you to stir up the gift. Stir it up. Stir it up. I was making a shake this past week at my house. I got a healthy diet. I was, I was making a shake, ice cream shake. <laughs> Y'all, I just had my fifth kid, okay? It's okay if I have a little bit of a dad bod. Don't, don't mess with me like it, I'm doing all right I can still button all the buttons on my shirt Ashley told me this past week she's like you need to lose some weight I was like okay I got it. I'm on it. but I was stirring it up everybody say stir it up you got to stir it up like if you don't stir it up it's not going to taste right in the same way you got to stir up an appetite for victory in your mind how do I get my mind back? I renew it by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When I'm in church, when I'm listening to my Bible app, when I'm reading my Bible, when I'm listening to worship music, I'm stirring up the mind of Christ. 
What are you feeding your mind? What are you feeding your spirit outside of Sunday mornings? You can't just rely, like a, a healthy diet, let's talk about diet for a second spiritually. You can't just rely on Sunday morning to get fed. You got to feed yourself Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. A healthy believer does not blame the pastor on her lack or his lack of nourishment spiritually. A healthy believer says, I'm also personally responsible to feed my spirit man the word of God and the presence of God. So I'm leaning in during the week and I'm feeding myself messages of faith. and I'm feeding on the word of God. I'm stirring it up. And then Paul told Timothy, as you stir it up, remember God has not given you a spirit of fear but of power and of love and a sound mind, a beautiful mind. I want the keys to come up. I remember meeting this couple in Nicaragua when I was on a missions trip, and they were a young couple, and, and when I came into their hut, they lived in a small, humble little hut right there in this town in Nicaragua. It wasn't the capital city. It was about an hour outside the capital city. And I came into their hut, and they had a coffee shop attached to their hut, and they said, we moved here from Ohio about 10 years ago. We were in church, and our pastor was talking about everyone is called to live with the mission of Christ, and to serve, and to love, and to, to give out, to be a part of God's plan for the whole world. And he said, some of you will go on mission trips, and you won't return, because you'll stay in that country for minister. And they said, we went on a mission trip with our church, and we were so touched by what God was doing in Nicaragua, we decided to stay. And so we sold everything back home, and we had $10,000, and we started a small coffee shop because we thought, we're not going to start a church, we're not pastors, but maybe we can make an impact, and maybe we can give people jobs, and maybe we can teach people how to prosper. And so they started dreaming of ways, like this is what a beautiful mind does, it just starts dreaming of ways to help other people. A beautiful mind is thinking of ways, how can I not just make myself money, how can I help other people? How can I help other people get to the finish line? And so they said, while we were there in the town, we started witnessing to people, praying for people, and then making coffee. And then we started hiring people, and we started selling coffee bags, because in Nicaragua, they were near the mountains. Um, they would get all their coffee beans right there, right there in their town, and then they would sell it there, but they would also sell it back home in Ohio. And they would send massive bags, and people were buying the coffee beans from all over. And so they were doing well, and they were able to help the, the whole community. But there was this one man in the town named Vito. And he was known as the town drunk. He was a homeless guy, always drunk, always shouting profanity at people as they would walk by the coffee shop. And so the young couple, they said, what do you guys know about Beto? And people said, oh, his wife left him several years ago because when he lost his job, he got depressed, and then he lost his mind, and he's crazy, and he's, you know, crazy old Maurice. <laughs> you know, and, like, <laughs> anybody seen Beauty and the Beast? Yeah, crazy old Maurice. So they said, you know, he's... He's in his late 60s, and he's just kind of, he's a town drunk, he's homeless, and people have written him up. And this young couple, this is what a beautiful mind does. Beautiful mind never writes something. Beautiful mind sees potential even in Vito. And so they brought Vito into their coffee shop, and they cleaned him up, and they allowed him to take a shower at their house, and they said, we want you to live in the coffee shop, but you have to get, you have to stop drinking alcohol. You got to stop, because it's hurting, it's hurting your future. And so they cleaned him up, he got sober, and they asked him, what, what did you do before you lost, before your marriage fell apart? What did you do before you went down this path of self-destruction? And his mind started coming back. He said, I used to be a cobbler, I used to make shoes. And they said, well, we have all these coffee bags, these burlap sacks, and 
you know, people are making Tom shoes. This was back in the early 2000s where people were making shoes out of these coffee bags. And they said, what if you made shoes? He said, I can do that. And so they gave him a job. He started making shoes. And people started buying shoes all over Nicaragua from Bito, from the coffee shop. It started bringing in extra income for the couple, and they started selling the shoes back home in Ohio. And then his wife found out about how he had cleaned up, gotten sober, gotten his mind back. And they were able to reconcile him and his wife and bring his kids back to him. His whole life was impacted, all because a young couple had a beautiful mind and said, I'm here for such a time as this. Maybe you're Beto in the room, or maybe you know Beto. Maybe it's your dad. Maybe it's your stepdad. Maybe it's your son. Maybe it's someone in your life that you've written off. But a beautiful mind says, life is not just about me. A beautiful mind is not so self-absorbed and narcissistic that, that, that everything has to always be about you. A beautiful mind says, who can I help? See a need and meet it. See a hurt and heal it. I was reading this article from this man who was in his late 80s, and he was getting close to, like, he was literally told by a doctor that he had a few weeks left to live. And someone sat down with him. He wasn't a famous man. He didn't, wasn't known worldwide, but he was known in his community. He was one of the nicest men in his community, and he had made a, a big impact on the whole community. And so the town newspaper did an article on lessons that we can learn from this guy. And, uh, and I, I loved what he shared. He gave them like 40 lessons that were so powerful. And I just, I, I'm going to go through it really fast. But I think it's so powerful because it's literally just practical things that you can learn that would set you apart where you work and what you do and how you treat people. So these are life lessons from a man in his late 80s right before he was about to pass away. And they said, what would you pass on to the next generation? He said, I would say, have a firm handshake. Look people in the eye. Sing in the shower. Own a great stereo system. Protect other people's secrets. Don't be a secret teller. Be a secret keeper. Never give up on anybody in your life. Always accept an outstretched hand. Be brave. And even if you're not, pretend to be. Because no one can tell the difference. Whistle while you work. Let me stop for a second. Where's the whistlers at? Anybody just like to whistle? Yeah, y'all are my people. I love to whistle. I got rebuked for, yeah, my mom's a whistler. Um, I whistle all the time. Like, my kids love whistling now. They're learning how to whistle. We just kind of walk around. We just whistle. I think, it, I think it helps your mental state. I, I really do. And I think you're a looser person. I think you're less intense and stiff-necked and religious and so mean. You just need to whistle. You need to whistle more. Number 10, he said, avoid sarcastic and con condescending remarks. That's good for you, and it's good for the other people who are listening. Paul said this in Ephesians chapter 5, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, only that which is good for building others up. A beautiful mind is not sarcastic and constantly making fun of people. A beautiful mind is looking for ways to build people up with their words. Choose your spouse carefully, he said. From this decision will come 90% of your happiness or misery. It's a good word for all the singles. <laughs> Make a habit of doing nice things for people who will never find out. Jesus said, don't let your left hand know what your right hand did for somebody else. In other words, don't shout your compassionate acts of generosity on social media. It's good to just do something nice for someone and never tell anybody about it. Number 13, he said, loosen up, friends. Relax. Except for rare life and death matters, nothing is as important as it first seems. Be romantic. Become the most positive and enthusiastic person that you know. Don't allow the phone to interrupt precious 
moments with your family. The phone serves us, we don't serve the phone. Be a champion when you lose. Talk about Ivan Fernandez, the guy pushing Mutai to victory. Be a champion when you lose. And then he said, be humble when you win. Be a hugger. Where's the huggers at? Do you need a hug? You know, in the church, we get awkward about hugs. <laughs> Can we stop being so awkward about our hugs at church? Like, eh, you know, just give someone a normal hug. <laughs> and, and I love how he says, when you hug, let them let go first. I like that. Because sometimes we're like, okay, all right. We did it. Holy Spirit, space, six feet apart, pandemic. <laughs> he says this, be modest. A lot was accomplished before you were born, Paul. That's <laughs> true. It's an honor to stand on this stage. I didn't build this thing. My parents, by the grace of God, built an amazing church that I get to be a part of. Some people step into a position and they think they built it all. You didn't. I didn't. None of us really did. There's a whole lot of generations that came before us. Anybody could do what you get to do. Be a good steward of it. Be modest about it. Keep it simple, he says. Don't overcomplicate life and love. Don't burn bridges. You'll be surprised how many times you have to cross that same river. <laughs> yes. <Yeah, so laughs> how many of y'all can think of some bridges you need to rebuild right now? You're like, oh, snap. Okay. Texting them right now. I'm sorry. If something is going to bother you on your deathbed that you didn't do or didn't say, go do it now and say it now. Live with no regrets. Be bold and courageous. When you look back on life, you'll regret the things that you didn't do more than the ones that you did. Never waste an opportunity to tell someone that you love them. Remember that no one, by the way, I love you, Victory. I love you, Ashley. I love you, Grand Grand. Love you, Mom. Love you, Isaac. Love you. Turn to someone next. Actually, don't do that. That might be strange for some of you. If you're, like, if they're your family, just tell them that you love them. All right. Next thing he says is, remember that no one makes it alone, friends. So have a grateful heart and be quick to acknowledge the people who've helped you get to where you are. Take charge of your attitude. Don't let someone else choose your mood for you. Visit friends and relatives in the hospital. You only have to stay a few minutes, but they'll never forget it. How many of you can remember someone who visited you or your mom, your dad in the hospital? Someone that, yeah, yeah, they'll never forget it. Begin each day with some of your favorite music. I like that. Once in a while, take the scenic route home. It helps your mental health. Send a lot of Valentine cards and sign them someone who thinks you're terrific. When you call a friend or family member and they don't answer, make sure to leave a kind voicemail. It might be the last time they hear your voice. I still have voicemail from Sometimes we get angry at people and we leave a voicemail and we don't realize that might be the last voicemail they listen to. A beautiful mind is always thinking, what can I leave behind for others that's good? How can I help change the world? Show respect for everyone who works for a living, regardless of how trivial their job is. Never make fun of someone for their job. People are working hard at Sonic and McDonald's and being a lifeguard at the pool in the Olympics right now. 
Everybody deserves honored respect. I'm telling you, there's something, like, it's just beautiful. Like, I want to be around people who are kind. It's attractive. It's magnetic. There's people, when I go to their homes, I just want to stay. I'm like, oh, it's so peaceful. It's so joyful. It's so soothing. There's people that I get around, and I'm like, I have something amazing about you. What is it? You're, like, you exude life and joy and kindness and compassion. You're not mean. You're not sarcastic. You just... You carry a really good spirit. It's the mind of Christ. It's a beautiful mind. It's a beautiful mind. Always leave a tip, even for the rude waitress. She has issues in life that you don't know anything about, and your seed of kindness could be the tipping point for what she needs most. Make someone's day by paying for their coffee or the meal behind you in line at the drive-thru. Compliment the meal when you're a guest at someone's home. Even when the food's bad, figure out something to compliment. Compliment other people's outfits every time you think something someone's wearing looks good. By the way, y'all look great today. You, you came in your Sunday's best. Remember that 30% of the success at any job is based on your ability to deal with people. Don't expect life to always be fair. And before you go to sleep, forgive everyone who hurt you that day. Because anger blurs your vision and defeats you and deflates you on the inside. How many of y'all received that word right there? The word of God tells us that there are practical things that a, a person can do that's living with a healthy mindset. Practical things like generosity. Practical things like what the Good Samaritan did for the Jew that had been beaten up in the street. That that Samaritan leaned over and picked him up and got him a hotel room and paid for his meals and paid for his bills, paid for what he had gone through. That there's things that, that a beautiful mind is seen. It's, it, we see it every day. Sometimes we don't recognize it, but we go, something's different about that person. And it's because they're guarding the garden of their mind. I wonder what weeds have been attacking your mind lately. I wonder what old dead branches have been sitting on the, the fruit trees in your garden. Fear doesn't produce good fruit. Guilt doesn't produce good fruit. Grudges don't produce good fruit. Anger does not produce good fruit. Lust does not produce good fruit. What has been stinking? What's been sitting in the garden of your mind that's cluttered up the space where God says, I want to do something beautiful. I want to move through you. I want to help you. I want, I want you to live with faith and courage. Now, I want to go to one more scripture, and it's in, it's in 1 Kings 18. 1 Kings 18. And I love this passage because it's a moment where, um, and I want the band to come up. We're going to go into worship. By the way, worship can also switch your mind. It can shift your thoughts, get your attention where it needs to go. But there was a moment where Israel had lost its reign. It had become dry. It had become dead. They were in a famine. Uh, no fruit was being produced. For some of you, that is the condition of your mind right now. The enemy has gotten you in a desert of complacency, a desert where there's no activity. There's no joy. There's no participation. It's like he switched your brain off, but you're about to get your brain switched back on, get, get your mind back. And so Elijah was the prophet during this time, and God was moving through Elijah. And Elijah said to Ahab in 1 Kings 18, verse 41, he says, go eat and drink, 
For I hear the sound of a heavy rain. I hear the sound of an abundant rain that's coming. I hear the sound of a brand new baby that's coming. I hear the sound of miracles coming. I hear the sound of faith being restored. I hear the sound of a generation rising up with revival in their hearts for America. I hear the sound of our best days coming forward as a church, as a city. I hear the sound of victory. So Elijah was hearing something and seeing something in here before it was ever out there. You got to see it in here before you see it out there. You got to get a vision of victory in here. You got to win on the inside before you win on the outside. You got to have an appetite to believe God for the supernatural. Elijah said, I hear the sound of an abundant rain. I hear God's about to do something. This is why we say every week, the victory confession, my best days are right in front of me. Even when you don't see it, you got to speak it. Greater things are right in front of me. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel and he bent down to the ground. And he put his face between his knees and he began to pray. A beautiful mind prays. A beautiful mind casts its cares on the Lord and finds, finds peace through prayer. Paul said in Philippians 4 verse 6, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything through supplication and prayer. Bring your requests to the Lord, and the peace that transcends all understanding will guard the garden of your mind and your heart. Your emotions and your thoughts have to be guarded. So Paul says, pray. So Elijah's praying while he's standing and believing God for a miracle. Notice that he prayed after he prophesied. He spoke it out. Sometimes you need to speak a message of faith out even before you're convinced if it's going to happen. You just need to say it out loud. Good things are coming. It's August 1st. It's the beginning of a new chapter. I just turned a page. Something good is going to happen to me and to you today. How do you know? Because I serve a good God and I have the mind of Christ. And this is the day that the Lord has made. So I will rejoice and be glad in it. I hear the sound of rain beginning to fall. So Elijah, he begins to pray, and he gets down on his knees, and he starts praying. And then he tells his, his friend, he says, go and look towards the sea. And he went up, and he looked, and he said, there's nothing there. There's nothing there. It's embarrassing when you say something's going to happen, and it doesn't happen. But Elijah was not shook. He was not shaken. He was not he was not put out. It didn't stop his spiritual vitality. In fact, it stirred him even more to pray, to pray. So he begins to pray even more. Seven times, Elijah said to his friend, go back and look again. Go back and look again. Go back and look again. To, re to renew your mind, you have to keep on believing the report of the Lord, even when the doctors and your friends tell you labels and put lids on your life and tell you this is what's going on. You've got to keep on renewing your mind. Go back. Go back and look again. Go back in the scripture and circle that promise again. I have the mind of Christ. Someone asked me last week, how do I renew my mind? My mind's dirty. My mind's bad. My mind's in a bad spot. You just got to keep on going back. Keep going back until you begin to see a small cloud, until you begin to see a change. And I'm telling you, don't despise the day of small beginnings. The Lord loves to see the work begin in your minds. So the servant comes back the seventh time and he says, I see a cloud as small as a man's hand rising from the sea. And Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and get down before the rain stops you. Friends, the rain came and it came hard.
And I wanna just speak over you today. The enemy has been messing with your mind. He's been messing with your thoughts, but I hear the sound of freedom. I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. I hear something about to change in your future. I want you to stand your feet all over this place. Something that I, I sense in my heart as I was praying over this weekend is, I sense in my heart some, some people have unintentionally lost their enthusiasm their joy for life and the enjoyment of what God has called you on a daily basis to wake up and to, to experience. And sometimes we wait until a vacation or you know something to finally feel good about life. And I just felt like the Lord said, I wanna restore enthusiasm for life back in some people whose minds have just kind of become complacent, just kind of lost that excitement, that joy, that passion, vitality, the energy. and. As I was praying over it, there was a story God reminded me of. Five summers ago, I went hiking into the Grand Canyon. And it was, I think it was year 2015 or 16. I hiked down to the bottom of the canyon and stayed in a small little dormitory down there. And the first night we were there, this ranger came out. He began to meet with all of us inside of a small cafeteria. There was about 20 hikers. And he starts talking to us how less than 0.001% ever make it to the bottom of the canyon that five million visitors a year come to the Grand Canyon, but almost all of them stop at the rim of the Grand Canyon, and only 10,000 people uh, ever venture beyond the rim. And he was like, you guys ventured beyond the rim. You made it to the bottom. And as he was talking about the canyon, this older gentleman walks into the cafeteria and says, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Oh, wow. You know, just interrupts the ranger. And the ranger's like, okay, Larry, I guess say what you want to say. It's like they knew each other. And Larry said, I just finished my 77th time down into the Grand Canyon. This man was in his mid-70s. It was a miracle he was still alive. Uh, he looked frail, but he was full of energy. He said, I just finished my 77th time in the Grand Canyon. And he said, boy, it's beautiful down here. Every time I turn a corner, I see something I didn't see last time. Every time I come down here, I see something new and fresh. He said, it's amazing. God's creation is amazing. And then he says this. He says, I'm going to keep coming down here every year until the day I die. And I'm not dead yet, baby. And I, <laughs> I thought, this is amazing. This guy's awesome. For the rest of the night, people just wanted to be around Larry. They just wanted to sit around him, listen to his stories. He just had energy. He had more energy than the 17-year-old that was on his phone. He just carried this excitement for life, this enthusiasm, this passion, this like magnetic joy. I'm telling you, when you have the mind of Christ, you, you, start, a, like you start wanting, I'm telling you, you become a greater influence to the people around you when you're living with that, that joy, that passion, that energy, that smile, that kindness, that compassion for people. And I started thinking how he was passionate about the canyon. And I started thinking how the Bible is like a Grand Canyon. And I've read this thing probably 60 times, but I never wanna lose my passion to keep going back into the canyon, to discover new things, fresh things. I never wanna get religiously stale and dry and complacent where I go, well, I've already heard that story. I've already read that. I've already heard that message. No, 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 I wanna keep on learning. I wanna keep on living. I wanna keep on discovering. I, I don't wanna lose my spirit of curiosity. I don't wanna lose my spirit of exploring the word of God, the passion and enthusiasm for life. I want us all over this room with heads bowed and eyes closed just to look inside your heart for a second. 
And if God is speaking to you in any way, if the enemy has been messing with your mind, you just need to get control of your thoughts. Maybe here today and you just say, man, I need the mind of Christ. The enemy has been throwing thoughts my way and I've been allowing some of those thoughts to stick and I've been meditating on them and they're not good and I just need to get my mind renewed. I need to get my emotions, my heart renewed and refreshed. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand up all over this room. Those that are watching online, you're saying, this is for me. I need to get my heart and mind back. I need to get it renewed and refreshed in the word of God, in the ways of God. If you raised your hand or you wanted to or you need prayer I want you to leave your seat come and join me at this altar come on I want us just to take a moment to worship to stir up the gift that God has put inside you to stir up the imagination that God wants you to live with the creativity the faith the hope the joy the peace the grace the forgiveness maybe you're here today and you just need forgiveness you're just saying man I've been carrying guilt I've been carrying shame, and you just need to receive the grace of God for your life, for your mind, to shake off that sense of guilt, to shake off that sense of fear, that sense of anxiety, to get your mind renewed. Let's just begin to worship all over this place. You can see my father's surrounds me. I speak it in Jesus' name. You have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. Every thought that's not from God is cast out in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for renewing minds, renewing hearts.
Jesus said, you are the light of the world. You are a city on a hill. I believe God is commissioning many of you in this room to bring light to people who are in a dark place in their mind. That, that what you've been receiving in this series on mental and emotional health is not just for you, it's for the people that you're connected to. Every single week I, I, I meet people wherever I am outside the church that are just hurting, just in a dark place. And more than a sermon, they just need a kind word in that moment. They don't need a podcast, they just need a kind word from God right there in that moment, one-on-one. -on -one. This past week, just encountering people at random places and just speaking life into them, just encouraging, praying for them. The world is hurting, but the church has the answer. We have the real vaccine. We have what they're looking for. We have the cure. It's love. It's the love of God. It's the mercy of God. How many of you, you, like, you are not who you used to be because of the goodness of God, because of the grace of God. You've come a long way. You may not be where you want to be, but you're not who you used to be. Come on. That's, that's the goodness of God. God wants that to flow through you. He wants you to bring that love, just like Beto received. There's people that, that need that this week. They need a beautiful mind. They, one of the best gifts we can give to our family is a beautiful mind. Just, just flowing with that mind of healing, that mind of love, that mind of kindness. And I'm preaching to me as much as I'm preaching to you. I mean, I, this is a word I'm just saying, Lord, help me to keep moving in this direction. Lord, renew my mind, renew my heart. Help me to get my eyes off me. Help me to keep my eyes on you. And who can I minister to? Who can I encourage this week? Lord, I pray for all of us here. God, I pray that you would give us that mind of Christ this week, Lord, that we would move in compassion. We would move with love, with joy, with creativity. Lord, with your healing power for the people around us, that whoever we see in front of us, God, help us to see them through your eyes, the eyes of Christ. God, that we would see people, even people who might be rude or mean, God, that we would not be quick to defend or, or react, but God, that we would be slow to get angry, quick to respond with kindness and compassion. Lord, help us to, to see the people around us the way you see them. Help us to see ourselves the way you see us. Help us to see the world the way you see it, God. Even the problems that our world is facing. God, I pray that you would give us the solutions that are needed wherever we work, whoever we're with, God, that each day we would enjoy the life that you've given us, that we would participate in the plan and the purpose that you called us to be in. Just pray this with me all over this room. Those that are watching online, say, Jesus, I surrender to you. I repent of my sins. I receive your forgiveness. I believe that you died on the cross. You rose from the dead. I confess you as my Lord and Savior. Have your way in my life. I receive the mind of Christ. Thank you, Jesus. My best days are right in front of me. And I have victory in my life because you live in me. Amen and amen. I love you, church.